Welcome back to the high school reunion. Not the high school reunion. I did this. <laughs> Holy shit. This is, I've already done. Keep like, it in. Keep it in. Keep it I in. Did. I, I did this another time and I did keep it in. Uh, so oh. I'll keep it in again. Yep. Welcome to the Clown Hospital podcast, the mental health podcast that is not afraid to admit that capitalism is the problem and has nothing to do with my high school or its reunion. And today, talk to me about the topic of writing in mental health recovery is Tara. Once again, back on the show, back in the hospital, you you relapsed, you're back for another visit. That's maybe not a great (laughs) way to frame it. I think you should just have every guest say, you know, top down and I'm at it again. And that's how we return to the podcast formally. What is that a reference to? It's just, I, what? I don't even remember what song it is. It's a, it's a rap song, I think. Top down and I'm at him again. I, it could be Jay-Z. It could be any, I literally don't know. Hold on, I'm Googling this. But it's something I say like to myself a lot in my own head. Oh, There It Go, The Whistle Song by Jules Santana. Top down and I'm at it again. It's hot now and I'm at it to win. You heard me. That's right. It is the whistle song. I guess that's better than relapse. <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, welcome back. All right. Um, before, Thanks. like you know, you've already done your done your little intro before. Um, is there anything you want people to know, or maybe remind people, maybe specific to the topic that we're going to talk about? Sure. I was in the actual hospital recently because I had sinus surgery. So I am still recovering from sinus surgery. It's not something that anyone listening to this would care about, but I've had to tell a lot of people my voice sounds different now because I've had sinus surgery and I evicted a couple of polyps from my nose. Not oh to my be God. A, yeah, not to be a landlord, but like they did have to come out. They were taking up a lot of space and I yeah. couldn't breathe. So that's that's about it working on my ep i've written fragments of a couple of songs to tie it into what we're talking about today yes but i have not been writing as much because i've been like posing for cover art and doing things for my ep that are taking away from the time that i spend sitting on my toilet at 3 a.m writing lyrics that's fun it kind of it's a lot of like sucking in your stomach Mm. yeah i didn't I didn't do photo. I didn't do cover art photos of myself. I just googled uh, clown smoking a cigar and then paid two dollars so I could legally use it as podcast art. I mean, I think it's great. I will say, like when I see it in my podcast app, the color actually attracts my eyes. So I think you, I think you did the right thing there. Hell yeah! I just use podcast. Okay. I'm really glad I like I literally just googled like clown smoking and like that's something that it doesn't surprise me that that exists but it also wouldn't surprise me if that didn't exist on like stockphoto.com and I'm very happy that that photo is amazing I really love that photo and I'm glad that I have the right to use it um for my podcast I'm proud of you it's definitely worth the two dollars I think so. Cool. All right. So let's just jump into it. No need to get into the intro because you're already introduced. 
So yeah, writing is like, you know, I don't think I need to explain that as a concept to anyone listening. And but like specifically like writing in the context of say mental health recovery, so on and so forth. You know, like in in rehab in the hospital and stuff like that. I've definitely heard mm-hmm. a, I mean I haven't been to rehab. I mean I've worked in rehab, but sure. like you definitely hear a lot, like the the power of writing. So let's get into it, how it fits into our lives. So first thing I have as writing as a form of processing feelings. So how do you use your writing to process your thoughts and feelings? Sure. So, I mean, as a musician, I, you know, and I think I maybe even said this the last time I was here, but writing is like the one time that I'm not feeling I think for some people, their issue is, oh, I have to summon feeling or I have to enter a certain headspace so I can write this song about a breakup or write this song about my bunny rabbit dying, whatever they're writing about, or this really fun party I went to and I have to kind of be in that mentality of being happy. For me, emotions are constantly swirling because I'm a depressive and, and question mark, question mark, question mark, what have you, God knows. And writing often is the thing that soothes me if I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I'm saying okay well this has to fit into a certain rhyme scheme or I can only write this much to get this point across or I really want this turn of phrase to be more clever or I really want to use this word in a song it it kind of just takes the emotionality away and I just get to sit there and write now that's for my songs my novel is very different because oh, I am, yeah, I am 200 pages into a novel I've been writing since like 2018, 2019. And the novel talks about trauma and abusive relationships. And I very much, to write the novel, do have to enter that space because um, I'm, you know, taking some examples from my life. And very often that means that I'm pulling up text message conversations I had with my best friend and seeing how I felt in that moment. So I'm re-triggering myself to write. And so I do understand the experience of what those folks are talking about. For my music, it it never happens. For my novel, um, I, I can enter that space where just focusing on the blank white page is good for me mentally. But Uh, I worked really hard to recover from the abusive relationship and sexual trauma I I lived through that kind of makes some presence in the novel. And I worked really hard to recover from that. So acknowledging it at all is difficult. And I I do have to enter that space where the music I'm writing, often it's reacting to what's happening in the present time. So then I'm just able to step away from it maybe I haven't recovered from everything that's in a song or, you know, in a song, I'm even making up a totally fantastic scenario that has nothing to do with my actual life, which I'm starting to do now because I'm tired of oversharing and I'm tired of accidentally oversharing on podcasts where I say way too much and give too many accidental clues about who I'm writing these songs about. So I'm trying to stop doing that. You're just like Taylor Swift when she writes a song called Betty that like sounds gay but she's like oh no I am writing from the perspective of a teenage boy but it sounds gay and honestly I'm convinced that it is gay um and I have a lot more fun listening to that song Um, are you 
gay. Are you familiar with the Gaylor Swift conspiracy theories? I am because of Inpatient. Really? Be yes. There was, Wait, tell me. Because there was someone in there um, who I have a lot of love for uh, who was like a self-identified like Gaylor rather than okay. a Swifty. And uh, one spent like a whole hour just giving us all the like all like just had like all the Twitter threads just memorized. <laughs> and like I couldn't tell you a lot of that information. Something about like secretly dating someone from Glee and having yes. matching tattoos and then one of them getting the tattoo covered or something. Yes, um, I know way too much about this. I'm embarrassed to tell you how much I know about this just because- Oh, I, I think it rules. Being a Tumblr person. Yeah, the rumor is that Taylor Swift was dating Diana Agron from Glee, who does gay things to my heart, soul, and body. So like, I don't blame Taylor for, you know, for swimming in that particular pond. Um, Diana Agron's got this really deep voice. Like she smokes like a full pack of like Marlboro Lights a day. I love it. And Diana Agron's whole thing is Alice in Wonderland. So there are all these sort of yes. Alice in Wonderland references in Taylor Swift songs. And like, there's a whole rumor that they were in a relationship. And then Taylor Swift was in a relationship with Carly Kloss, who is now married to a Kushner. So fun times. We've all had that ex, I think. We've all had that ex who goes off and marries a Kushner. Like, who amongst us can't relate? <laughs> sure. But yeah, yeah, Taylor Swift is actually a huge inspiration to me lyrically, even though most of my life is spent listening to like Danzig and and the harder stuff, if you will. Mm -hmm. But Taylor, you know, I like how we know which songs are supposedly about Jake Gyllenhaal or John Mayer or this one or that one. And you, she is honest in that way she never really comes out and confirms oh this song is about joe jonas but we know what it's about she lets the fans in they feel like they know her very smartly they probably know nothing about her because mm -hmm. there's a lot like and we all do this you do this i do this we overshare on the internet but we're also complete enigmas because we select a couple of things yes. to talk about I make fun of my exes on the internet, but people do not know about certain trauma I've experienced or who I'm dating now. Like a lot of people online have no idea if I'm dating and I want to keep it that way because I want to keep some part of my life sacred. You talk about, you know, transitionary steps. You've talked about the COVID that you dealt with. You've talked about mental illness, but there's a lot of stuff about you that people don't know. So they mm -hmm. have a sense of you. Uh, and I appreciate that Taylor Swift gives that vulnerability, but has chosen to only be vulnerable about that stuff for the most part. And it's a smart way to let people think that they know you, but in fact, you do get some privacy. Yeah, that's really interesting that you put it like that. And because like, yeah, you're, you're right. Because yeah, I definitely do that. And I definitely like, you know, there have been times where, like, I have always posted a lot online, and there have been times where, like, people who I don't know very well, like, talk to me like they know me, and it's, like, confusing, because, yeah, yeah it, like, because, yeah, I guess, like, in a way, I, uh, like, I 
am fairly like personal online, but also it's like, yeah, you don't really like the nuance is missing or like certain parts of my life are missing. Like, like even doing like this podcast, which like by nature ends up revealing a lot of maybe like themes of my life and my recovery and stuff like that. Like, like the actual information that I've doled out here is like, fairly limited there's a lot of stuff that I talk around rather than about um even in this space because it's like you know what like some of that stuff isn't fully processed or is maybe still happening or just feels private or like I don't yeah whatever you know, you don't post every single thing you're doing during the day or what no. you're wearing every day. So like there are days that go by where people online don't see you because you might not be posting a selfie or whatever. So their interpretation of you is what you looked like in the last picture you posted, which if you're doing one where you're in like full glam and makeup, it's like, oh, great. That's what everybody thinks I look like for the next week until, you know, at least in my case, like I post a picture of me in my my chemical romance sweatshirt that I'm wearing right now with no makeup on and like frizzy hair. I mean, I think that's just, that's the territory. Every single one of us does this in some capacity. We're not sharing the ugly stuff or we're sharing the ugly stuff in humor. Well, yeah, that that's exactly what I was going to say is, is what like what makes the cut is really based on can I make a funny quip about it or not (laughs) and like if I can't make a funny joke about it then I don't talk about it but as soon as I can think of a funny joke about like experiences of emotional abuse I will be talking about it (laughs) yeah or like and you know and I've seen this from from you sometimes and I do this like I I've talked about my grief journey a lot on social media maybe it's limited to my close friends but like and I guess for anyone listening to this who doesn't know me I lost my grandmother last year and Mm -hmm. my grandmother was my number one favorite person in the world and I you know I've tried to be upfront about that because I really do feel like we need to talk more about grief um yeah I think April 23rd is grieving in public day it's national grieving in public day which is shit a new holiday that uh, was created to talk about the collective national grief of the pandemic, but also to acknowledge individual grief and hold space for it. My friend Lori has a newsletter called the Gloom Tribune, and it's all about grief. And uh, she talked about that recently, and I was very appreciative. And I will definitely, even though I post a lot of my grief stuff and my close friends, try to post something publicly acknowledging that I am surviving through grief right now. It's only been a year, and I live in my grandma's apartment. And like, we just finally got a headstone on her grave after a year which was a weird thing because I didn't like being there without something to look at and some way of honoring her and having her name there. Yeah. Um, so I will definitely be posting about that. But yeah, often for me, it's like I, I make jokes about these exes or I allude to general senses of exes, but I'm not going to talk about like the guy who did something shitty to me as a little Instagram joke. I'm going to maybe put it in a song, which uh, I guess to get back to the writing element of it, I don't know if it helps and I don't, and I'm, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it to you. When I was, I... I was going to ask because like you were talking about like, like with the novel specifically, like bring like, like, and you even said like that the word you even said was like re-traumatizing and yeah. it's like, I guess my questions are like, 
does it help? What? Yeah. Words. Well, I guess twofold is like what makes you make that decision, and like, is it worth it? The novel, um, the decision to write the novel, I guess, the idea came to me, or the story came to me, my life came to me, my life rose up to meet me, and I had this story that I had to tell, and I figured that I could do a great service to educating anyone who read it on what narcissistic abuse looks like, and you know, the classic combat the narrative of, oh, why did she stay? Like trying to explain, not in a scientific way, but in a truly anecdotal way, why people stay. What is the banter and chemistry that these two people have? Um, what are what are specific sweet moments that an abuser will do to mitigate what they just did to you? How do they talk to you after? Because they think abuse is so marketed almost as, okay, he hits you and then he gives you a bouquet of red roses the next day. And that's so black and white, where in reality, it's, you know, it's, it's maybe not that simple as, oh, he hits you and then gives you a gift the next day. You know, sometimes it's, they say something that gives you a red flag moment, but then they say something else that's so sweet and you have to kind of sit there and mend and go, oh, well, wait, he meant that he's angry at me because he loves me so much or whatever it is that someone is dealing with. Um, and I also kind of wanted to show just like a middle-class abuse story, which is, it's weird to say, but like oftentimes when we are shown abuse narratives, it's lower class narratives like we're supposed to picture a guy in a wife beater who lives in a trailer and mm -hmm. a woman who's barefoot and pregnant and this is what we see a lot or a young teenage like a young poor teenage girl and it's that is not all there is to abuse those stories happen and oh, those absolutely. people have resources to get out but also i mean i know and i i as far as i know do not have any friends who are currently in an abusive situations but I know friends who are in relationships where if they and their partner broke up, they would be very financially screwed. If they left a relationship, they wouldn't be able to afford an apartment in New York on their own or their car payments or if their partner helps them out. Yeah. You know, and again, luckily, you know, as far as I know, I do not have any friends who are in these predicaments, but just being in the relationships, I see, oh, they would not be able to survive without the support they get from their partner. You know, and so I wanted to tell a story like that where it's not or it's not that the guy is just super, super, super rich and the woman being abused is super poor. Maybe they're in equal economic spaces, but the guy has something over, you know, the person he's abusing. So it was it felt more and more important to me to show a very detailed example of an abusive relationship how the narcissist charms and grooms that person, how the person being abused is conditioned to look past red flag moments and rationalize them because of how much they have in common. And that's something I go into in my book. The characters have movies they love in common. They have a workplace that they share in common. They have friends in common. They have these nuanced things that you go, oh, well, wait, I, I know all of his friends. He's not an asshole, which is the entire Philadelphia. 
and hardcore and DIY. Oh my god! <laughs> like, it's like, oh, wait, we have fifteen mutual friends on Facebook. Speaking, be fine. speaking of like talking around things, <laughs> I'm gonna keep my mouth zipped shut tighter than my butthole. I, I'm keeping that <laughs> shut. Goddamn thing. But um. You know, yeah, so I wanted to tell that story and make it really anecdotal as hell and really flesh out two characters, you know, a flawed um, woman, the protagonist is a woman in her mid-20s, and, you know, she's had flaws, she's had affairs, and she is, you know, interacting weirdly with her boss it's like as i call it it's like mm. a me too rom-com from hell so it's this boss and a, a you know a subordinate of his that get involved and then we learn that the boss is like an abusive shithead and um yeah so i wanted to really tell this story and make anyone who read it go oh okay so abuse isn't like what i pictured where it's just one yeah. day he starts hitting you it's like no there are a bunch of little things and boundaries are pushed purposefully so i felt this stronger and stronger calling to really finish this book and finish this story but does writing it make me feel better about instances i've had where coworkers were inappropriate um no like i had a i had a coworker. i was at a, a christmas party and this guy was very drunk and i was very sober and my coworker friend who I was sitting next to was extremely high and probably didn't even hear what the guy said. So this guy walks up to us and we're talking on this like rooftop in New York. And I must've said something about like, he was like, oh man, it's so cold. And I was like, yeah, dude, it's freezing. I'm wearing a skirt. Like imagine how I feel. Cause I had a dress on and he was like, and he mumbled something drunkenly about like, wanting to see up my skirt it wasn't like oh hey heads up like I can see up your skirt he was like oh I'd like to see that you know and I was like okay and my drunk friend was like half no my high friend was like half passed out next to me and so no like writing this novel does not make that moment okay it's just you know getting getting over it with time it was like okay I you know and I did not like press work related charges against that guy I was just like I've been through enough abuse and yes. trauma at the hands of men that unfortunately I'm not the type to report things anymore I'm just not I have been traumatized out of that because half the time when you have to sit there and recap everything that was done to you and see this person be forced to give you an apology they don't mean and not be sure if they learned anything from it half the time it's it's more traumatizing than the little off the cuff sexual remark that was said yeah um, so yeah no it doesn't make me feel better it's so many times i get told when people compliment how personal my writing is how personal my lyrics are they're like oh this must be so cathartic and i'm like fuck no Oh my God, it's not at all. I write these songs, they make me feel better for the five or 10 minutes I spend writing the lyrics. Then it's $400 in mixing and mastering fees out of my wallet to make it happen. And then the song comes out. Um, and so far, I mean, I've put out two songs and there were people who were who inspired some part of each song and as a courtesy of you know, trying to pay them respect. I let them know the song was coming out. Um, 
And I heard back from one with an incredibly disappointing answer of just like, whoa, that's really pretty. And I was like, kiss my ass. Um, <laughs> and then the second I just never heard from, which is fine because truly that one person is the one person I should never talk to ever again. Like my, my Mr. Big, my, my West Philadelphia, Mr. Big. So my, uh, Mr. Big Johns. Um, yeah. So like, it, I didn't even get the catharsis of like seeing these assholes move to tears by the things that I wrote. So no, it so what, what do you get out of it? It is something for me. It is taking to quote Carrie Fisher, who should be the patron saint of this podcast and who is my hero in this. I mean, her whole thing is like, hey, I, I tap dance and wave my arms around and I'm super mentally ill. And like, that's that's the vibe. And we love her. Um, Carrie Fisher said it best, you know, take your broken heart and make it into art. If you do not get the person you were in love with, if they leave you, if the person you loved hurt you, whether that's your mom or a friend or a teacher or an ex, you know, if you have your heart shattered by disappointment or by trauma, at the very least, you get something to hold in your hands over it. Yeah, that's, I, you know, yeah, I like that. I mean, like, what I'm thinking of is um, experiencing trauma or like abuse specifically, a big part of that is a loss of control. And yeah. with writing, you are in some way enacting some sense of control, you are controlling how the narrative is presented within your writing you're like controlling the exact word choice you're controlling yeah. who sees the thing that you're writing or hears it or whatever or or sees it or whatever like um you are taking a moment where you have lost control and or maybe prescribing new meaning to it or processing it like I think that's really cool because I was thinking of like what would my answer to these questions be because like okay. I you know I write a lot of like posts online and like um but like I also like do some writing like for fun like on the side like I'd like stuff that maybe I'll sometimes show friends if I think it's fun um, and often doesn't see anyone's eyes but my own. Um, and I'd like, but like I think of like what I have written, uh, one thing that stands out is um, like I had a major loss um, in early 2021. And at some point um, in the last year, I wrote um, just a little narrative like, like what is she doing right now? Like oh, I love that. Is and yeah, like and that there was like peace in that. Um, yeah. And like to just like I don't even necessarily like believe in much of an afterlife, but to like believe in it and for a second and to to write it like what is the version of that that not necessarily fits like any like religious like prescriptions but like what is like the version that I think she would be happiest in and then I wrote that 
I, I love that very much. Sorry, I am just letting my cat out of <laughs> my bedroom. She is like pawing very sweetly at the door. So Simone, you can go out. You can go out, mommy. Okay, I'm back. Sorry. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love that you were able to like, through writing it, you know, create a space in your head where you can maybe sit with your friend. Yeah. You know, like now that you've written it down and you've kind of taken some time to visualize what it might look like, you know, is it in a garden? Is it in their bedroom? Is it in the first Unitarian, wherever it would be, like where you can then mentally, you've put this person there and you've picked a beautiful outfit for them and, you know, and, um, and you could go sit with them and that's a space that you can touch forever because you, you were able to describe it and put it down into, you know, a Google doc or a notebook. So I love that you were able to do that. And that's, I mean, that's why a lot of people write and I probably do the same thing, you know, the, let's say, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this again. The person I wrote my first song about, I'm not giving any clues as to who they are. Not this time. No, I don't like, I don't miss. I, d I don't miss that person, but, and I wrote the song that I had written before they, and I stopped talking and I actually got their blessing and they were like, yeah, no, yeah. I love this song. And it hit me super deep. Like you are welcome to write this without changing a word. But then after they and I stopped talking, which again, thank God, I, you know, finished that song and went and recorded it. And it was a nice way to like, I lost them. And I did have to mourn that because we had such a long relationship in every context two people can have a relationship. Yeah. And it was a little way of just holding on to them until I was able to let them go. And I think with the release of that song, I was able to let them go a little bit. Like, like literally release. Yeah. Really, like I released it on Spotify and whatever the fuck Deezer is. And I also like. <laughs> I don't know what the, I don't know what the fuck that is either time like i set up my stuff on TuneCore to be distributed they're like deezer and i'm like deez nuts okay yeah fine so <laughs> i just like select deez nuts i have no idea what it is and as i've said before everything i learn about deezer i will have learned against my will um <laughs> clown hospital podcast now on spotify <laughs> apple Podcasts, and, and deezer <laughs> yeah so you know i i think there is something for me where i get to release that uh and walk away from it but that's not every song, you know, the, the first single I wrote, I've always been in love with you. That song was about a very, very long thing that happened in my life and was my entire, like my entire adult life was in some ways defined by my experience with that person. And so that was very different. Now, when I have music coming out, like uh, I wrote this song called Abby, I'm sorry, I stole your man and it's on my EP. It is a sequel to Jolene from Jolene's perspective. Oh, and shit. Jolene goes to Dolly, or who I named Abby in this case, because I didn't want to be too gimmicky. Um, and no one in reality would ever leave Dolly Parton. So I was like, so Dolly's very clearly writing as a character, telling Jolene not to steal her man. Like, no one's leaving Dolly Parton. They should be executed if so. But Jolene in this song comes back to Abby and says, listen, I thought he was going to change for me. Like, without thinking that in specific words, I just assumed, okay, well, we're the real deal. We have more in common. You know, we have whatever we share and this sexual chemistry and all that. And so I just took for granted that he wasn't happy with you. Maybe you were crazy. Maybe you were too demanding. 
but I would be perfect for him. And the reality is that's not the case because so many people don't change no matter who they're with. Um, and they have to change for themselves. They can't just change for a partner. Uh, I say this knowing full well that I will not heed my advice half the time in life. But um, yeah, so that song, like I don't have this emotional release from it because it's not really my story. It was sort of gently inspired by people I know who have cheated on their partners and left their partners for other people and then cheated on the new partner. Like I've seen that, I've seen that happen. I've certainly seen that happen, but it's not something I did. So it's, that's not something I have to release in that case. It's truly like a story and I don't have anyone to call and say, Hey, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like even in like, the context of like the men like mental health stuff i think there's also something to be said of just like writing as an exercise of just like here's an idea and then like like um the way you know writing is something i don't do that often but when i do it i'm like oh shit i really like this and the way i describe it is like it's like doing a puzzle but like Mm -hmm. the answer can be like whatever the fuck I want it to be and like that is fun and to like come up with a concept and figure out how I want to like present like those themes or that information or that story is like fun and even if you're not like purging some feelings or whatever like it is a activity that takes a lot of thought and intention and like you know when I am writing about the like like I wrote a I wrote a like a like a micro story about like two sorority girls who like always make out at parties like <laughs> like as like you know like oh like guys love when we do this but they're actually just doing it for themselves and they like they've made out at parties so many times that everyone has caught on and just like just like get a room and like that like to be like Same. yeah like let's just make like let me just make up a dumb concept and then just write a dumb like kind of uncharacteristically horny story about it and then show it to no one like that is fun writing that like when i'm writing about like lesbians pretending to be straight really poorly like I am not thinking about my grief I am not thinking about yeah. the abuse I've experienced I'm not thinking about that stuff mm -hmm. I am just fully I'm not ha I'm not having PTSD symptoms I am just fully in whatever like tiny world I am creating and um that's cool yeah. What this makes me think of is like, first of all, I think everyone is mentally ill. Like I think every single person is mentally ill in some capacity. You've had something traumatic happen to you. You have a little bit of depression. You might be a smidge neurodivergent. There, there's something going on with everybody, uh, but especially artists. Every artist is mentally ill to the point where when I started writing uh, creatively and started writing my songs and I realized that I was going to be a musician, I said, oh, wait, I'm not mentally ill. I'm just an artist. And honestly, it was the most healing thing in the world for me to say to myself, like, oh, 
you're just like every other screwed up artist. Great. Okay. And it actually like made me feel better about my mental illness because I was like, oh, okay. I have an opportunity to better understand my mental illness through the work I create, you know, talk about my mental illness more, hopefully work on it and heal it as best I can. But I mean, when you think about people who have dissociative disorders or they have disorders where they are losing touch with reality in some way. I mean, these people are literally concocting narratives in their head. Okay. This is the reality I'm living in, even if it's not our reality, like, you know, someone might have, you know, hallucinations. Someone might be talking to a voice or a presence that's not there. They're literally writing and escaping. And we all, right to escape we all read to escape we all go to this place some of us just write it down where others you know listen to music to escape or read to escape or take ayahuasca to escape but um yeah I, I do find it interesting I've been thinking about mental illness and the creation of art a lot over the last two years as I've really started writing more and I've realized you know we all in some way, right, because we're writing narratives and scenarios that happen in our brain. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of constantly ruminating on like, what if I said yes. this differently? Or what if I bump into this person at this party I'm going to? Oh, crap, what the hell am I going to say to them? Like, we're all kind of scripting our lives. It's just that some of us know how to make it rhyme or know a yeah. couple of you know 50 cent words and put it into a google doc which is to say that everyone should try to make some art in some way absolutely I think a lot of what is weighing heavily on your mind it could be that you take water you know you take water balloons and fill them with paint and throw them against a canvas and do some like jackson pollock thing it could be writing poetry it could be picking up a guitar and getting your anger out you know whatever art is to you it could be uh recipes it could be cooking and you know coming up with fun new things in the kitchen which i've seen a number of my friends do now and i i'm like open to considering it in art form like people i know who have heavy trauma or mental illness or who are neurodivergent learning how to cook and like making really fun oh, yeah, absolutely that's like, it's something, I think it's special. A recipe is something that could be preserved and passed down and it's a legacy and it's a cultural thing. And like, yeah, cool, call it an art form. But um, yeah, I think that we all create and write more than we know because, and I see it in like memes on Instagram all the time. People are like, oh, you know, me at 3 a.m. lying awake, pretending I'm talking to the guy I'm in love with. And I'm like, okay, if you're doing that, you're literally writing a story because it's not something that you're doing in the moment and you might never do because you can't predict what that person is going to say to you. So I think we all do it. And I think that in my case, now that I've chosen to write a lot of this down instead of just keep it in, first of all, it has made me process more because I have to, which is probably good. A lot of times yeah. it makes me feel shit because I was like oh but I was so good at bottling this up for so long but was I was I getting any better by bottling it up really would it have just come out in another way would it have come out yes in, I can guarantee you, know? you that 
would yeah yeah or like and I'm not a violent person but like maybe if I wasn't so good at expressing myself I would just blow up on people yeah and that's not been my life because I'm you know chatty Kathy over here but I feel you you know so I'm I'm kind of glad for all that it's going to get me into trouble because of like who listens to these podcasts and who is very curious about who I'm writing about and who's going to be like nosy and ask a couple questions that I'm going to have to answer creatively, AKA lying, like, you know, a liar. Um, I I'm, I'm kind of glad that I do it, but notice that I'm only saying I'm kind of glad I'm not like, Oh, this yes. is my life. Rolling. I'm just like, I'm kind of glad some days more than others. Some days I really wish that certain people have not heard things that I've said on the internet but that's them's the breaks i feel that (laughs) i am feeling that these days (laughs) all right i feel like we've talked about what i want to talk about pretty naturally but that one uh last thing i wanted to hit on is also uh, that i'm thinking about that i'm personally thinking about a lot lately is like writing as a form of memory i think about like journaling which i do not do that often um but have done a little bit of of just like you know think of all the days that you've lived in your life like and all the feelings you've felt in those days you don't remember the vast fucking majority of those oh of course not and like and that is so interesting of what of writing is like it's a time capsule and even even outside of journaling it's like, here's what I was interested in at this time that I wanted to write about. Or here is like my, like I wrote an essay in like 2013 and like, wow, do I not believe those things anymore? Like that's, yeah. that's like just such an interesting thing. Like, especially like getting older and then having long COVID and having like my memory like kind of fucked with. Um, yeah. To be able to go back is cool and like and I'm really grateful that like with like what I was saying about like that that uh one piece I wrote that I'm like really glad I wrote that one I did because that captures like a lot of that captures like there's a lot of references between our relationship and what I remember about that person that I might not remember forever but like as long as my google drive remembers it I will be able to remember it in some shape or form. And that's like really special and important. I, and I like, especially like being like a trans person, it's like, Mm -hmm. wow, I really wish I took, I was like journaling like in my childhood, in my teens, because there probably would have been so much juicy, juicy shit that I could have like looked at from like this perspective from my current lens and just been like, Oh my God. Cause like there is like, there is some stuff like through like Twitter and old Facebook tweets where I'm just like, like I have literally tweeted, like literally posted on Facebook in like 2009. Uh, I am a woman trapped inside a man's body, um, which is a song lyric uh, for a song about like a crossdresser that I was obsessed with for some reason. And like, finding those little those little bits and just yeah. being like how the fuck did i ever think i was a man 
Like, how did that yeah. ever happen? Because it's just, like, so obvious. And then also that makes it really, really, like, validating. Like, okay. Like. You were always, yeah, who like, you are. Yeah. Like, I, like, it makes sense that I ended up this way because, like, there were signs from the beginning. And, and like, sometimes I mourn those, like, lost memories of whatever pain or whatever I was experiencing uh, that would have maybe made sense of some of my current pain. Yeah. Seeing how long something has been on you, yeah, could be validating. Like, once you make progress, you look back and you're like, wow, I really healed, like, 13-year-old me, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, I think our journals now are, like, our Instagram stories, but the thing yes. is they're, they're fleeting, which is interesting. You know, I mean, you could go look in your archive, but yes. I try to every year, at least once a year, order prints of every photo I took on my phone. That's like, not my screenshots of songs I mean to listen to that you post in your Instagram stories. Cause <laughs> I actually, I'm the one person who like, I'll see you post something like you posted in Oso oh Oso oh song recently and I screenshot it and I was like, and then I went and listened to it. And I liked it. Hell I yeah. Do, like my people that I trust. But yeah. Like I try to actually order these photos of, you know, my life, me and my, my chickens and me and friends, things I'm doing. And I have them in photo albums because what if I do delete my Facebook someday, then I see so many people say, oh, if I delete Facebook, like I'm only keeping it for the memories. And I'm like, you could also just spend like nine cents a print on Shutterfly and put them in a book. And then you have like a nice photo that you could go frame on your wall. And yeah, and writing, I mean, the same thing now, you know, my songs are very expensive uh, photo albums, basically, you know, my, um, my second song that I put out, there was actually a guy who put his hand into a garbage disposal in a sink to get a ring out for me. Like that is a real thing that happened. And I, you know, I remember when it happened, I stood there like watching him and I was like, this is the most romantic thing I've ever, you know, it was, <laughs> we had this beautiful weekend and like he did this and I was like, oh my God, like, I think I love him, which LOL, like within three days, I was like, no, I'm dumping you. But, um, focus. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, now I have this song to remember the exact moment that I knew I was going to write that lyric, which is cool. It's cool to have preserved that memory and how I felt in that moment. Like now I look at that song and I think about the guy I wrote it about and I was like, wow, he did not deserve to be mentioned in a song that is all about my grandma. Like, who was he? You know, this is a, was a song about my grandma and I brought in this past memory to tie it to the themes but like oh my god that guy was a total dip but it's nice to kind of remember at that moment i was i was very lost when i met this person and they kind of inspired me to believe that i could feel again and have like that real bubblegum kind of happiness um so i'm glad i preserved that memory through my writing writing the novel you know those are memories uh i wish i could take away and there are people in my life that I wish I could eternal sunshine totally out of my head forever. Uh, unfortunately, I can't because I guess Michelle Gondry did not sell the rights to that technology to God even knows who Halliburton or whoever the fuck wants to make the memory machine. But yeah, but I'm so again, I'm kind of glad that I've documented certain things in 
my songs and I have songs coming up. I'd originally scrapped the album I wrote about my years in Philly, Mm -hmm. but I'm considering making the album. And I got rid of a couple songs off it that I just thought weren't very good. And I've kind of put some new songs that I like, I summoned memories. I was like, Oh my God, wait, remember when that happened? And I wrote songs about it. And I think, I don't think that album would be this like incredibly successful thing, you know, because they're just very personal songs. But I do think I want to still make it for myself. That one would be a gift for myself where it's like, okay, you know, you had these four hard, hard years living in Philly and you had a relationship that defined a lot of it. And yeah, you know, this, this is a way to really keep them alive and keep how you felt alive. So I do believe in writing as a form of memory, as I think we would all believe, you know, we all acknowledge that that exists, but as someone who actually writes and writes a lot, even the things you don't want to remember, even the people you don't want to remember, sometimes you feel like as a writer, you've no choice but to preserve them in memory. And it's a, a calling. And I try to not ask too many questions about why I need to write. People always ask, they're like, oh, why do you write? I almost don't want to know. Because the answer just an really is itch I'm trying to scratch, baby. The answer is really just narcissism. Every creator has every person has some narcissist impulse. We were Fair raised enough. into it. Like we're all on the narcissist spectrum. Like we all are on any spectrum of like a mental disorder. But artists are narcissists in the fact that we think other people deserve to hear what the fuck we have to say. Yes. So, really the answer of why I'm creating is just narcissism and people think that or, or I think that people deserve to hear about like the guy who would send photos of like his dick print through his sweatpants from his girlfriend's living room and I would just have to be like okay it's three in the morning why are you doing this go to bed <laughs> You're, go to he bed. is creating art go to bed <laughs> Well, anyway, on that note, <laughs> now that I just called uh, sweatpants stick art, I feel like it's time to wrap up. And, who is but- the artist? Wait, who is the artist where it's like once you once you lean into the painting, it starts to look like shit? Is that Matisse or Magritte? That's Mr. Mr. Sweatpants Dick is uh, the the Magritte of our times. From far away, it looks gorgeous, and once you zoom in, it's just a bunch of tiny little dots. There you go. <laughs> All right. So as you know, I like to end the show with gratitudes. And first of all, I am grateful for you for coming on again. Um, And, you know, sharing a lot with me, but hopefully not more than you wanted to. And I think we're good this time. I think I fucked up last We're much better this time. I kept my mouth shut this time. Hell yeah. And And I think, you know, you didn't have to 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 create some art with me today. I'm also grateful for, and this time I actually am prepared, is I am watching this show on HBO Max. I have one episode left. It is called Veneno. It is a Spanish show about a Spanish sex worker who got, like, and this is, like, based on a true story, uh, who got famous on, like, um sort of like a late night talk show in Spain. Um, And her story is crazy. She's, you know, 
she's a she's amazing she's she's a mess she reminds me of a lot of um like the trans women of her generation that i know um it's a lot about like just like the abuse that is inherent of being with being a trans woman it is about the things that many of us have to do to survive it is about found family it is about like the importance of building relationships with like trans elders like intergenerational trans relationships and like the importance of like writing down those stories and getting them out there and it's so beautiful it's maybe the single most triggering thing I could ever watch um and I am but and like I am always I'm looking through my camera roll after like every single episode just missing so many people both living and dead and but it's so good I recommend it so hard it won't be as triggering for everyone as it is for me um and if there are definitely people who it would be more triggering for though but like very very good and I'm very grateful that that is out there I feel like it is the best like I spend a lot of my media consumption specifically consuming like queer media and so I don't say this lightly and I say this with a lot of experience of Mm -hmm. engagement with queer media that like this is like the best portrayal of trans life that I have personally seen in my personal opinion so I'm really grateful it exists she's a she's a messy figure she's like a problematic fave but like you ain't got a time you don't have the time to like not be a problematic fave when you have to like survive through like street sex work for most for a big chunk of your life and it's just like a celebration of trans women of people who have not been celebrated enough um and that is what i'm grateful for that was maybe the most passionate grateful gratitude i've ever done on here and it's about a tv show um but yes please do this whole thing is hard recommend yeah this whole episode was about writing and the importance of writing so you talked about something that was written that resonated with you yes and- i mean so it's also literally based on her memoir Ooh, and also okay. the experience of writing the memoir and even like her best friend is in the show like playing herself so it's really cool okay um, i'm into this yes um I am grateful for, I'm going to do a TV show as well. I'll do a couple things. First of all, I am obsessed with The Dropout on Hulu. It's the Elizabeth mm-hmm. Holmes show. Yes. Everyone is just acting their tits off every week. Like I, would, Saeed, I hope to never act that hard. I want to keep my tits on. <laughs> yes. Saeed from Lost is acting his tits off. Amanda Seyfried is acting her tits off. Stephen Fry is acting his tits off. Um, Alan Ruck love alan ruck acting both of his tits and possibly a third nipple off who's to say i don't know but he's just he's doing some good shit on that show it's amazing i didn't think it was going to be that good because it's just like a biopic tv series but oh my god no of a story that like how many times do we have to tell that story like as a podcast and like documentary and also now a drama except that this is i i 
I saw the documentary and I was like, okay, whatever, you know, it's shocking, but I wasn't like, wow, this documentary changed the game. This show is just so compelling. Um, and I don't, you know, they're a little sympathetic towards her and I'm like, I'm, I'm not about that, but it's just interesting to see the character unravel. Um, so I am grateful for that. I am grateful for the fact that I've learned to overshare less on a podcast since I was on your podcast last, very sincerely. Um, and the last thing I'm grateful for besides like my, my chickens and my friends and you and your friendship is um, I'm very grateful to everyone who sends me like Danzig and or Nicolas Cage memes on Instagram. <laughs> Those oh, two yeah. people are people. Like I, I fell in love with Danzig once I realized that he was like the Nick Cage of music. <laughs> um, so I consider yes. them the same, they're the same person to me. The mix of irony and genuine like craftsmanship is the same. They are the same person. Um, but I'm I'm grateful every time one of my followers sends me some kind of Danzig meme on Instagram. Absolutely. I'll have to like when I do like your promo image for this episode, I'll have to do like that that picture of him like just with his groceries, like. I did, okay, so for last Halloween, I dressed up as, I called it Spider Gwen, and I did the Spider, or I did Spider Glenn, and I did the Spider Gwen, like, jumpsuit with the Danzig logo on the chest, and then I bought, like, or I just used our um, container of kitty litter, and I, like, held it up in the photo, because I I constantly think of that photo of Danzig in a branded t-shirt of his own band buying kitty litter. (laughs) fucking rules it's like there's that monkey with the coat you know the monkey with the little coat um yes the ikea monkey yeah and like danzig with kitty litter is like my version of that iconic image yes it's a a great image all right do you have any promotion you want to do before we wrap up so uh my newest song mysteries is out now and that's on Bandcamp which is great because you can make donations to artists. Uh, It's on Spotify and Apple Music. I have an EP coming out within maybe the next two or three months. It's called A Little Bit Country, as in she's serving, you know, C-U-N-T-R-Y, A Little Bit Rock and Roll. It is a country and Western inspired EP. I am very excited to have done something fun and totally out of my comfort zone. Hell yeah. You know, I'm not a signed artist yet. Um, I have the right to make whatever comes out of my dumb brain. So I'm really excited to Hell just yeah. do fun and unexpected. Uh, and you could follow me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Sweaty Lamar. Hell yeah. And you can find the podcast on Instagram at Clown Hospital B. No, pod. You can find it on Twitter as Clown Hospital BB, like baby. And if you want to send an unhinged email, you can send that unhinged email to clownhospitalpod at gmail.com. And since the last time uh, you were on, I've changed up the, um, the ending a little bit. And I just, mm. you know, I do a little thing where I just say that this is dedicated to all of those who were lost before they had a chance to heal. I love y'all and good night. Love that.